0: Good morning. Um, we are um, gonna talk about anxiety in a little bit, but um, there's a war going on right now. And uh, we have, um, as a free church, we have have a center in Kiev that has been ministering in Ukraine And we have a couple in our body, um, Jim and Liz Baker, who worked there. And Jim's going to come up and give us a little bit of what he knows about what's happening there. And then we're going to pray.
1: Good morning. Um, Greetings from our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. It was difficult to sing about a consuming fire when, for the fourth day in a row, our friends, our spiritual children, and grandchildren who have been hiding out in basements are coming out to look at the city in which my daughter grew up and are relieved to find that there's anything left. Four nights in a row, they have gone seeing buildings consumed by fire seeing the sky alit with toxic fumes. And their hope is in the Lord and the Lord alone. Their hope is in the people that are defending them, but they know that ultimately their hope is in God. The nation of Ukraine has been assaulted criminally and violently by forces, the leader of whom says that the country in which they live has no right to exist, the country which in so-called post-Christian Europe is sending out more missionaries of the gospel than any country in Europe, a country that I believe is a spiritual gift not only to Europe but to the nation. This is a battle involving real people. The streets on which I taught my daughter to ride a two-wheeler have tanks burning on them. People are afraid for their lives, but the gospel goes forth. God's children are not retreating. They are not losing hope, but honestly, they say at times, God feels very far. When we see the threats against us, and we see what we have around us, it is so hard to keep going. We've been reaching out to people both in the city and people that have evacuated the city to other parts of the country and those who have been able to leave the country, and they all beg for your prayers. They, they, one thing I just want to emphasize, there are clashing armies, there are clashing political views, there are clashing worldviews. That's not what this is about. This is spiritual warfare. There are spirits of murder, of oppression, of corruption, of uh, acquisitiveness, of greed, of violence that have been loosed upon an area that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church that represents it has claimed. We don't fight against flesh and blood. No, There are people in Ukraine right now, flesh and blood people who are fighting against flesh and blood people, but it's because they love their country, they love their home, and they love their family. But that is not the only thing happening. We need to pray for these people and their homes and their safety and their security and the safety of those who will defend them. But we need to pray for the Lord of hosts to manifest himself in and through his people to strengthen them, to give them the resilience to continue, and to unify the body of Christ. When one member suffers, all suffer. The body of Christ is suffering. The body of Christ is being beaten. The body of Christ is being set on fire. And we do not have the opportunity to watch members of our body engulfed in flames and think it doesn't touch us. And I'm not talking about, you know, the politics or who you're for. I am talking about standing against evil, right. praying that the Lord of hosts, the Lord of angelic armies, would bring a victory that is more significant, more miraculous, more glorious, and will bring more glory to Jesus Christ than any military victory ever could. Yeah. But at the moment, people, the people that we saw come to the Lord 20. 25 years ago, the people that they led to the Lord, their families, they're scared, they're frightened. They wonder what will happen next. Their hope is in the Lord, but it's like a candle in a wind sometimes. We really need to just join in prayer for them, for their protection, for their resilience, and for the Holy Spirit to just blow a wind across that land that will bring true freedom, freedom in Christ, And pray for the church, the pastors, the lay people, the nurses that are doing everything they can to minister to their people. I love this country. I spent half of my adult life there. If I could be there right now, I would. So all I can do is beg you, God's people, to stand united behind our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Thank you.
0: Okay, so this is what we're going to do. If you can kneel, kneel. But I want us to get on our knees and pray. I have a prayer that I found that's short that we can all pray together in a minute. But you heard what Jim asked us to pray for. And so I just ask you to pray. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst. He is here. And as Jim said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness and wickedness in the heavenly places. And together as the church, we can stand against that. So let's do that. Let's pray. And then I'll lead us in a prayer in a few minutes. Let me pray, and then we'll pray this prayer together. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would lead us to continue to intercede. You've told us that the Spirit prays with us in groanings too deep for words. Guide us, not just for these couple minutes, holy spirit but in the in the hours and days to come may we continue to pray lord we know that this is the battle and jesus you have told us that when two or three are gathered you are present so we know as we pray you hear us lord we ask for you to intervene All of those forces that Jim spoke about, we ask that you would defeat them. We know that you stand for love and peace, but greed and murder and anger, Lord, you are against those. And so, Father, we just pray for your intervention, that no plan of the enemy would succeed. We pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. We pray for protection for our brothers and sisters. We pray that you would send them your spirit in extra measure, that they may be confident in the midst of such terrible uncertainty we pray, Father, that the light is not snuffed out, but that it burns brighter and bolder. And we pray that you will get the glory in this as a victory, as only you can create, is accomplished. Guide us to continue to pray, we pray. And hear us as we pray together. Grant, O God, that your holy and living spirit may so move every human heart in the nations of the world that working and witnessing together, we may live in justice and peace and change the hearts of those who would make for conflict and war through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you. So we have been talking about the easy yoke. If you've been with us in this series, we've been trying to learn what does it mean to take on this easy yoke. Jesus gives us an amazing invitation He says to us, come to me, take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I think we could all use a little rest for our souls these days. So to figure out what that means, to take on his yoke, to be in his yoke, we noted that he said, come and learn from me. So that's an invitation to be his disciple. That's an invitation to be his student. Unfortunately, our English word student doesn't cut it because we think of sitting in a class and taking notes and he's inviting us to be an apprentice to him in life. How do we actually live our lives? So as we've been talking about that, we went to his Famous sermon. It's not actually a sermon, it's teachings that he gave called the Sermon on the Mount. And we talked about how the Beatitudes showed us not how to get blessing, but who was blessed. That all kinds of people, those who were poor in spirit, those who were mourning, they could be blessed. And they weren't blessed by those conditions, they were blessed by the kingdom of God. This becomes clearer when we look at how Luke describes this message. It was actually a different time that Jesus gave it, and he said, blessed are the poor. And we instantly recognize, if you are poor, that is not a blessed condition. (laughs) Like, all poor people are blessed? No, obviously not. And so what Jesus is saying is, this kingdom of heaven is available to all. And and if you go back in in Jewish history, you, you recognize that in Deuteronomy, Moses makes this comment about how if you obey God, there's not going to be any poor among you. So they, they viewed this, this poorness as, this, as you were, weren't being blessed by God, and richness was. So the nature of the easy yoke recognizes the availability, availability of the kingdom to everyone. We look at everyone and say, God loves you too and wants you to be in the kingdom. And so we're able to bless all. That's why he says, You're the light of the world. That's why he says, You're the salt of the earth. And he says that to regular people. He doesn't say that to the religious leaders. We we capture that. You know, we talk about the salt of the earth type. Who are we talking about? We're not talking about politicians. (laughs) We're not talking about world leaders. We're talking about regular people. And so Jesus says that to us. We're able to bless all. And then we started talking about righteousness. So we looked at the passage on how you've heard it said you shouldn't murder anybody, but I say to you if you're angry, and how oftentimes that's interpreted as Jesus is making the law tougher, <laughs> and that's not the point. He's trying to help us understand what true righteousness is. Righteousness is, is the right kind of heart. We don't try to follow the rules to try to be righteous. We try to have a transformed heart, that's tender now the rules are helpful to kind of help us know where the boundaries are but it's not by following them that we become righteous it's about transformation and that's why all through the new testament we see this put off the old life and put on the new lay aside the old self and put on the new self the the new creation self which has a tender heart toward others so if you work through the sermon on the mount The next section talks about that in all other kinds of commandments. So he talks about adultery and he says, look, you don't lust, why? Because you don't treat people as objects. You think of them as human beings made in the image of God. So you don't degrade them in your thoughts. That's a tender heart. And you don't make oaths to people to try to get them to do what you want over their better judgment. Oaths were trying to persuade people that you were telling the truth when you might not be. And they even had this kind of, like the Pharisees had devised these things of, well, you could swear on this and not be held liable. Like, why would you need that? So it's all about having a tender heart, a righteous heart, a new heart that God gives us. So what hinders that? What keeps us from that? If you scratch under anger, and anger is kind of the model there of dealing with anger, if you scratch under most anger, there's fear. We react to people angrily because they've done something against what we wanted, and we have fear about that think about how many times you're explaining something and you use words like this well i'm afraid that as an explanation or i'm worried that or here's the neutral one i'm concerned that that doesn't sound you know bad and and don't don't think when Jesus talks about worry, he's saying you shouldn't give thought to things. You've got decisions to make. We're not talking about weighing a decision. That's not necessarily worry. But fear is our problem. So Jesus talks about this. So let's, pr- let's just pray again and ask him to hear what he has to say. Would you just pray that, and then I'll pray for us. Lord, we want to live in the reality of your kingdom, so show us what this means to not allow anxiety and worry to control us. Teach us, we pray. Amen. So Jesus says this, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We worry about stuff. And Jesus says, don't do that because your life is bigger than that. There's more important things than that. But notice he says, for this reason I say to you. So what's the reason? Always a good question to ask when you read the scriptures. Well, here's the verse before. He says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. See, if we are followers of Jesus, we have a master, God. If we are serving Him, He's got us. But too often, we want to have security apart from Him. And one of the ways we get security, people get security apart from God, is wealth. If I have enough money, I'll be okay. But money doesn't love you. Money doesn't care about you. And money isn't security. So if you're serving something other than God, you don't have security. That's why Jesus says, for this reason, he's reminding you, you do have a master. You do have one you're serving, and he actually does love you and care about you. So this this section continues. He says, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Worry doesn't accomplish anything. Allowing anxious feelings to fester in our soul isn't productive. We don't change anything with worry. Uh, I love this picture of the birds. There was a song uh, that Phil Kagey did that included lines from this poem. This poem was written in the 1800s, and uh, I haven't really been able to figure out who this woman is, because I, I couldn't find any data on her, on, you know, the place we would always go, the internet. But um, here it is, said the robin to the sparrow, I would really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. We are tested by the circumstances around us of how is our confidence in our Heavenly Father. So then Jesus says this, and who of you by being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field. They grow, they do not toil, they do not spin. I say to you, not even Solomon in all of his glory. clothed himself like one of these. The things that we have need of, food, shelter, those things God provides. And he says this, but if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? What Jesus is telling us is God knows our needs. He knows our situation. He cares about us. Worry isn't going to fix that. It's not going to fix the things. Now, we just prayed about a situation that's far worse than just needing some clothes or some food, didn't we? And I want to remind you of this story from the life of the disciples. So they were on a boat, in a boat on the sea of Galilee, and there are really significant storms there. And or can be And in this particular storm, it is so bad that they're frightened and they wake Jesus up. And what does Jesus say? He doesn't calm the storm first. He says to them, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? You see, we're in yoke with Jesus. He's with us. That should give us Confidence that he's with us. And then he rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. Our trials are a test of our joyful confidence in God, and it does not escape me. It does not escape me what we just prayed about. Where is our confidence? And Jesus um, says this, in contrast, in contrast to worry, we have an action plan, and it's to seek something. The thing that we seek first is his kingdom and righteousness. We seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. There is an active step. To talk about being free of fear and anxiety and having a life like that, it's not about having this kind of passive Zen life where we're just calm. It's about having a productive life that's active, but not obsessed with the wrong things. He gives us an action plan. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Part of what we have to recommend or understand is as we're trusting God, we got to remember who he is. So this is from Psalm 8, but it's throughout the Psalms. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him? Uh, We had a couple that was a part of Grace for a while, Stephen and Sage, and when they got married, they spent their first year in New Zealand, and one of the stories they told me about their time in New Zealand was that there was an observatory there, and um, it's kept very intentionally dark all around the observatory so that no background light. You know, when we go here, there's enough background light around us, it's really hard to see a lot of the stars, we can see some of them, but there they said it was just staggering because it was so there was no background light and so you could see how massive the stars were how many there were the scriptures tells us that god made them all and knows them by name he called them into existence god made the universe he made it he spoke it into existence is anything too hard for him We have to keep coming back to that because in our finiteness, in our smallness, worry creeps in because we begin to think this is too big for God. No, it's not. There isn't anything you can take to him that's too big for him, that he can't do, that he doesn't care about. So when we talk about his kingdom, We know that his rule and reign endures forever and that he has a plan and he's working this out. As you read through the Psalms, it's very clear that that authorities and the things that we see moving around us, he is over them. Now, does that mean that everything they do is what he wants done in the sense of it's good? No, no. Because there's powers of darkness and there is evil in the world. It's not all made right yet. But that shouldn't detract from our ability to have confidence in him. Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your heart be worried. And then he went on to talk about the fact that they were going to have tribulation and difficulty. He told his disciples there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. None of that changes that God wins and none of that changes that God is for us and none of that changes to make us insecure. Think about the stars, God made them all, and then ask yourself, what can't he do? He's fully, fully capable. So here are like four ways that I think you can seek the kingdom. The first is to pray the prayers of the kingdom. What's the prayer of the kingdom? It's the Lord's Prayer. And what's right in the middle of it? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you realize that that is a prayer of war against evil? Your will be done. Any place where we are clear that is not God's will, we can pray against it. We pray against it in the authority of Jesus. We can pray against it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, defeat pornographers. Lord, defeat drug dealers. Lord, defeat those that are killing women, and children. Think of all the different kinds of things that are wrong, and we can pray against those. The second thing we can do is watch for signs of the kingdom. Where is it breaking out around us? Where do we see God shining through? I got an email this week from a friend, and he he had this... He's, It was one of those kinds of emails where you wanted to hear the backstory, but he was talking about somebody who was deeply into dark, dark things and how the light was beginning to come into their life. It was a beautiful, like I wanted to get the rest of the story. I haven't gotten it yet, but... God wins. People who seemingly are beyond hope have their lives turned around by the gospel. Watch for signs of the kingdom. Watch for the signs of the kingdom breaking through. Watch for people around you who you are c- curious or, or puzzled or asking questions, and be a part of that. And then do the work of the kingdom. What did Jesus tell us in the sermon? He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your Your shiny clothes, your good shoes. No, there are things that we get to do to bless people that mark us as children of God, that mark us as different. Do the work of the kingdom. You and I are are commissioned. We're the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And then keep your eyes above in, in Colossians Paul in chapter 3 says, set your mind on the things above. We have to remember we're a part of a long, long story. And we know how it comes out. We know Jesus wins. And so we can pray with authority and confidence in that. So, The past couple years, to be very transparent with you, I've lost my joyful confidence in God. I, I did. I just let stuff stew. And my typical personal pattern is, I'll stew on stuff. Great worry. I'll stew on stuff until I get to a point where I take action. I do something. And then that changes it. And what I'm inviting you to do, and what I'm encouraging you to do, is give up stewing and start praying, start asking God to give you clarity. Sometimes I don't know what I think. Do you like that? Like, I don't know what to think about this. Sometimes you have to pray about that and say, Lord, help me even understand this situation so you know how to act. But in Daniel, I keep going back to where Daniel tells us that the people who know their God will display strength and take action. And sometimes that action is praying. And then sometimes after praying, there's more to do. But passivity passivity kills. I mean, there's times for us to stop and rest and slow down. There's times for us to be still in the presence of God. Don't get me wrong, I believe in solitude and I believe in that kind of stuff, but there's also a time for us to step it up and do something. And one of those things is pray. The Lord's Prayer is a take back the you know, kick back the darkness kind of prayer because we're praying for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. And that means we recognize where it's not happening and we're asking for it to happen. You have access to the throne of God in boldness and he's the one who made the universe. Why are you not taking everything to him that you can, confident that he will act? And I'm saying that to myself. Mark, why are you not taking this to the throne? Jesus says, don't worry. But he does tell us to pray. So my invitation to you is recognize that anxiety and fear will rob you of the clarity to know how to act and how to live. I would urge us all to join Jim and Liz in prayer for Ukraine. I would urge us all to be praying for our reputation as the church in this country that we would model Jesus, that we would be seen for good works that would glorify, that would bring glory to God. There are lots of things that we can get caught up in, but I would much rather be caught up in being salt and light than anything else. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would push through all the bad ideas that we get in our head that we might turn to you. May we be people of prayer this week. And may we be people of good works. Lord, help us abandon worry and anxiety. You've told us, don't worry. You've overcome the world. Help us live that way this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.